I think a lot about this idea of investments and expenditures in our own personal life. So for example, every single day in the morning, I spend my time working out and that's kind of sacred time for me. It, it helps me to kind of tackle the day. What I used to do though, is I would spend a lot of time first thing in the morning uh, on social media. And I, I'm a big believer that social media can have a positive impact, but I also believe it can have a negative impact. And sometimes I would actually spend my time and not only would it actually kind of suck the life out of me in some ways, but it wouldn't give me the energy that I would get from working out. So I actually make sure that I actually don't check my email, check social media uh, until I'm done my workout. Because I know if I get my workout done, that I'm actually more prepared for the day, that I actually have more energy. And it's the same thing when I talk about kids being greeted in the hallways outside the classroom, that 10 minutes that you spend you know, greeting kids, or, you know, if you're an administrator, that 10 minutes you spend in the morning greeting your staff, greeting your students, does that time come back to you? Does that time actually help you? And so when you're listening to this podcast with Dan Jackson, he's an educator just outside of Sydney, uh, Australia. He talks about this idea of work less and teach more. And what he means is not, you know, uh, spending a bunch of time, extra time teaching, but really thinking about all the extra stuff that we do as educators that ne isn't necessarily beneficial and being more focused and really kind of looking at the investments that we make in ourselves, which actually become investments in our students, become investment in our colleagues. And so I hope you enjoy this podcast. I really learned a lot from Dan. He's got some great tips, not only for teachers, but for administrators as well, how to kind of lighten that load so we can focus on the, the, the amazing job that we have in education. So I hope you enjoy it. Welcome back to another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. Hey everyone, this is George Kroos, another episode of the Innovators Mindset Podcast. And today I actually have Dan Jackson on from uh, the Sydney, Australia uh, area. He is actually recording this in the future. He's a day ahead of us, uh, getting up early in the morning. And Dan actually has a new book. We're going to talk about it today. It's called Work Less, Teach More. And I don't know if anyone <laughs> is interested in working less and being able to, you know, focus more on the teaching stuff. So I'm really fascinated um, what uh, to talk about this book. But Dan, thanks for being on the podcast. And if you could just kind of introduce yourself, uh, tell us who you are, and also just kind of tell us what you do today and kind of how you got to that point. Yeah, yeah. So I'm Dan. I currently run a professional development company called Teachers PD and uh, yeah, I go around and consult and do presentations at school. I started teaching way back in 2006 and have through various different roles uh, worked myself up to being deputy principal at a senior school which is you know vice principal for those people who are not in Australia but um, yeah so that's essentially kind of my career and where I'm at at the moment I've been involved in a lot of like teachers groups and stuff you know like so our um, associations I guess I've been on boards and stuff for that and uh, yeah I really really enjoy teaching and what's involved in it and I actually as I kept going and started presenting workshops and stuff I decided that I enjoyed that just as much if not more than mm -hmm. uh, than working with teachers and I figure if I'm helping teachers out I'm probably going to have a greater impact on the students than I will if it's just me teaching as well. Yeah. And like when you actually, like, I'm curious about that because you know, you're, you're the book title is work less, teach more. 
And I'm actually watching a lot on social media, you know, people saying, uh, you know, right now, especially people are like just frustrated with PD because they're seeing that like, Hey, we got so many things we have to deal with right now. And you know, PD is kind of just, we're not even thinking about it. Right. And so like, I'm curious in kind of your perspective, cause I, I actually think, you know, I, like I do agree. I've seen terrible professional learning opportunities that are like, seriously, like there's so many better things we could be doing right now. But I also have been a part of stuff where uh, it actually helped me tremendously, not only in the classroom, but really kind of like, I, I always say this to people that I'm not, uh, I'm not here to add things on your plate. I'm just here to help you look at things different that actually could help you, um, you know, open up doors for better learning for kids with less work. Cause I think a lot of times uh, teachers spend a lot of time doing stuff for kids as opposed to getting the kids to do things in their classroom. So how do you kind of see that connection between, you know, professional learning and not being an add on as opposed to like really, you know, making the lives of teachers better? Yeah, I think one of the big problems in education is that, you know, our administrators, our, you know, the deputies and our principals choose what everyone's going to do for their PD. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the time, you know, if you do school wide PD often, that's the stuff that teachers are like, oh, I don't want to do this. This is just an add-on or I already know this. For a lot of teachers who have been around for a while because a lot of stuff in education, actually, you know, my parents were educators too. And I talked to my dad about PD and he's like, it's just it's constantly cycling around. It's always the same mm-hmm. kinds of things. And I just change whatever the new newest fad is around it. And schools do that to teachers. They just go, well, here's, here's the new fad. Here's the new fad. Here's the new fad. And it burns teachers out because there's a constant change. Right. And it is, it just becomes an add-on and they want to focus on doing what they want to do. But I think if teachers are choosing their own PD and they're saying, you know, this is a section that I want to develop in my teaching, you know, my repertoire, or, you know, this is something I'm really interested in going further with, then suddenly that PD is a lot more meaningful for them because it's something they're into. And then I think it's really important for people who run professional development to try and integrate things as much as possible into not just to come for a one day and, go off and see how you go with it but actually spend time with those teachers helping them to implement stuff Uh, and so you know if you come to a pd workshop type thing it's important to then have your follow-up meetings i guess in in a sense of to check in with people on how they're going and uh, i think pd where you're being observed in your classroom even is really fantastic because it's actually it's in what you're doing like it's people actually just looking at how you're going at the moment and saying oh this is great this was really good uh, here's an idea that I have for this. You know, it's not necessarily saying that you did this wrong or you're really bad at this. It's actually just teachers sharing ideas and reflecting mm-hmm. on the lesson, uh, which I think is very impactful when it comes to your actual growth as a teacher. Well, you know, like as, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about, because um, like obviously I do professional learning opportunities for a lot of staff and I can really kind of tell the difference between uh, someone who knows my work and sees the connection to where they're going as a school, kind of what their focus is, how this could better help. And then the, then the opposite, like, Hey, we have this day to fill. Right. And like, we just need someone to come do a day. Cause like we have this PD day and we're going to kind of fill this in and it's a total wrong approach. Right. And I actually, uh, I used to have like a, when I worked at uh, central office, I used to get really frustrated because we'd have a meeting every Wednesday the first like the first Wednesday of the month whether we had anything to talk about or to do anyway right 
And it's like, are you just doing it because you said you'd have that meeting or is there something purposeful to that? Right. And in the, the other part that you talked to, and I think a lot of people resonate with this is it is a lot of times like we're just doing new things and we're moving on and then we don't get good at them because we're constantly trying to go to the next new thing as opposed to like, Hey, let's just kind of like block out some of the noise of the stuff. And like, let's just re get really, really good at this. Right. And I, I think if you look at, um, companies, if you look at businesses, uh, businesses that change their product every, you know, year probably be totally unsuccessful, but then we do the same thing. We do that in education, right? Is it like, am I off there? Or? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Yeah. I mean, you watch businesses who you have to have a core thing that you're really focusing on. And if it, you can have other products as long as they all relate to your core thing. Right. Uh, so if your core thing, you know, for me, like my core thing is to really help teachers to teach in a way that prepares kids for, for life, not just, you know, helping them to get a good result in the exam. Okay. You know, my, the whole approach that I do is about effective teaching for lifelong learning, essentially. Uh, but so that's what I do. And so I can do anything that kind of relates to that as I, as I deliver. So that can be you know, releasing a book about how to work less, but focus more on the more effective things, or it can be uh, professional development on how to create a program that actually helps students to develop their learning skills mm -hmm. uh, and all that kind of stuff. Like I can, I can, I can have a range of things, but the focus is the same. And I think schools, we get so distracted from our focus quite a lot. Right. Uh, our, our core focus of actually educating students and growing them up to, into being well-functioning and well-rounded adults by the time that they leave school. Yet all these PDs, I think there's lots of them that could be useful but the approach that is used can really distract i think from what's from what the main goal of it is like if you're bringing someone in to fill in a single day because you've got right. a cd or if you're having meetings for the sake of having a meeting like right. we're just filling in tires we're going through our pro our motions without really thinking about what we're doing and without thinking about you know, the money we're wasting by having all those right. teachers sitting in that room like if you're having a meeting that goes for an hour and you can get it done in five minutes but you wait, you still sit around and try and organize a discussion or something for the next 55 minutes, you're paying right. all the teachers in that room their way for 55 minutes to sit there right. for very little purpose. And I think you know, if you actually think think about that in terms of money costs, the time cost for the teachers, the the, the culture it creates too, is like, you know, you're going to have a bunch of teachers who are frustrated and angry. Like it's, you're really approaching education your core thing that you're about you're not approaching that properly when you when you start doing it in that way you've got to really be a lot more thoughtful and uh, focused in terms of what the school is doing as a whole and, in, and then part of that requires you know, getting other teachers and stuff possibly on board and getting buy-in for where you want to go but once you once you decide on what you're doing if you focus on that and constantly bringing things back to that and you, you know you're constantly saying you know, we're doing this because it's going to help us as teachers to help our students become better learners and to help them to be better prepared for life beyond schooling, et cetera. Teachers are for that, uh, particularly if they're interested in it. Right. So it's more the, yeah, like, like you're saying, if you're having someone in to fill in a gap or you're having meetings for meeting's sake is hmm. a waste of massive waste of resources, I think. Yeah. The, like the, the um, when I was a administrator, uh, we would have 10 PD days scheduled by the school district. It wasn't, it was out of my control. Right. And just kind of listening and, and maybe giving some people an idea of how you can kind of structure this. 
So with those 10 PD days, we actually had our professional learning plan that was created for three years, like not like, Hey, here's what we're doing, you know, day 15, but it was like, Hey, here's the focuses for the next three years. But we had like four focus areas and each one of the focus areas had a team of our own staff who led it. So like you had to be on a team, right? So it was basically like homegrown solutions to this. We weren't bringing people in because the reason I even think of this is because, um, it was not only a, a huge money saver because like, I'm like, we have experts in our building, right? You might not see them as experts, but I see them in their classroom, they're experts. And so we're utilizing them. And so we were like saving money in this space. But the other part of it too was we started getting the staff to see the person across the hallway as an expert in an area, right? Because it's like, we're always pointing to outside experts. And, I, and I'm like, you know, obviously I do, we both do professional learning outside. I think there's value in bringing people outside, but I, I think that if you're, if you think your solutions are solely in outside experts, you're in trouble, right? Like you have to develop people as leaders within your building and kind of connecting that. But the other thing too, and I was just kind of thinking about this when you were talking about, um, the, the time component, uh, we did have to do professional learning on those days. And prior to my arrival, they had, they just did a full, that day was like full day, whatever. And I said to my staff, I'm like, I know that you're busy. I know that you have a ton of things that you need to do. So I actually think we can do that. We can do really focused PD in the morning. And then the afternoon you do whatever you need to do. So like you go work on whatever, uh, do this. The deal I need to make with you is that you're actually focused in that morning that you're actually like, we're like in it. And then you can have that time. And if it, then that that's, and then if we can keep that deal and they were, yeah, like, oh yeah. Like if we can just kind of do this for, and then I get a whole afternoon just to like catch up, do whatever I need to do. They were so appreciative of that. And I didn't think, I didn't feel like we lost any, I didn't feel like we lost anything from that approach. I feel like, in fact, if anything, we gained because people got a little refresher, they got caught up, they weren't, you know, overworked. And we talked about that uh, in your podcast. One of the things I want to ask you, and I don't know, if, you know, if, if you're the person to ask this, because just based on our conversation, what we're talking about, I feel like we're, we're kind of in the space, like, where we're trying to do these, like, really forward thinking things. And I talk about innovation all the time, I think it's really important. Um, but like kids have to be able to read and write, right? Like that, <laughs> yeah. like, that's like, there's no like innovation if you can't read and write, like, it, you know, I guess I, I, you know, and I, I, like, I'm, I'm looking at that and I feel, um, I've kind of always kind of made this connection between it's not, it's not a focus on the basics or innovation. You have to really develop the basics to get to innovation. And I'm like wondering kind of what you, what you think about that. Cause you know, like I was thinking about like the new fad, the new thing. And I'm like, do you know, what's not a new fad reading or writing. You have to make sure you, all your kids could read and write. Right. It's like, what do you, what do you think about that? Yeah. Look, I, I would agree. Definitely. That kids being able to read and write. And then cause you can't be critical of something if you can't read it to start with. Right. You, can't, you can't then think of new problems and uh, new solutions to problems. If you don't actually read stuff about the problem, like you need to actually understand the greater thing. I mean, uh, just even within content, like you need to you need to have a basic understanding of content around something before you can then use it to find a solution. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're talking about, you know, even just, you know, the global warming process, if you're looking for solutions to that, your students actually need to understand 
what's causing that in order to find a way to do any kind of solution. And so the innovation stuff needs to come still after they've got that base level of, of understanding of, of any concept. And so I think definitely reading, writing, uh, you know, your basic numeracy as well, we're going there of, you, know, you need to be able to do these kinds of things for you to then do the the higher order thinking. Like it's always been that way. You know, you've got to, mm-hmm. got to develop yourself up to your innovations and your, uh, your critiquing and anything that's a higher order thinking skill. Um, it, you really need to have those bases down, I think. Yeah, and like uh, Yang Zhao, he he actually uh, said this, and it's always resonated with me. He said, "Reading and writing should be the floor, not the ceiling. Like it's like a basic, bare minimum expectation that we have." Actually, it's funny when you're talking about this. So I have a five year old and an eighteen month old, and I've uh, my reading comprehension is terrible. Like I've kind of figured that out. Like I actually will read a story to my kid, and I'll have no idea what just happened. Like I just read it, and I actually think it was horrible when I was in school. Yet when I read something with the purpose of creating something from it, like if I'm going to like, if I'm like reading a blog or reading like an article, reading a book, and I know that I'm going to actually like blog about it, do a podcast on it, then I actually pay more attention. But I, 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 I struggle with reading just for like, I actually have to like, I feel like if I don't know there's an output, then the input just doesn't stick. Right. Cause I'll be like, I'll like say like, well, what do you think of that? I'm like, oh yeah, I, I never noticed. Like I'm like reading the book to my kids and I'm like, I have no idea what just happened because I'm not planning on blogging, you know, about these, you know, dragon fairy tale, you know, things. So I don't know. I don't know if uh, you ever see that because maybe that, maybe that's just a, maybe that's just a, maybe I'm just not interested in the content, but I was like kind of thinking back in school, like, yeah, I'd read a lot of books that we did nothing with other than read them. And I, I they never really resonate with me. Yeah, I think anything that you're doing needs to have some kind of purpose to it, for sure. Yeah. I mean, story, stories are good in the sense of, you know, we're, we're kind of built for stories, I think, as humans. Mm-hmm. If you tell something in a story, people generally will remember it a bit better. Uh, but having said that, if you're not interested in the story, but I think it, you're, you're a dad, I'm a dad too. It's mm-hmm. probably, I reckon, about 10 or 12 at least books that you've probably memorised. <laughs> right, right. Because you've read them so often to your, to your kids, right? And so you just yeah. they go, well, I, can, I don't even look at the pages anymore when I'm reading this book to, you know, to my child. I just turn the page so they can look at the picture. You know, I can, I can be three pages ahead. And it's just like, right. oh, I still want to see that picture. I'm like, yeah, you keep looking at the picture. I'm going to keep reading. <laughs> right, I'll just keep going. So I know, I know what's coming up next, yeah. Well, yeah, and, it's, and yeah, I, I actually, like, thinking about that, my daughter, Clea, she, like, love, she loves that repetition. She kind of enjoys knowing what's going to happen. So kind of interesting. Um, hey, so let's talk about your book, Work Last, Teach More. So just in the title is going to, you know, we're going to use that as the title of the podcast. I'm sure a lot of people are interested. Just kind of give us a quick synopsis of the book. Yeah, sure. So the book is all laid out about how we as teachers can reduce our workload so that we are focusing more on the things that are more are, are effective for us. I think that's one of the things that the book really is all about, is about getting rid of all of the um all the extras that teachers get given uh all the all the extras that teachers also say yes to because uh, you know there's plenty of times when you're asked to do stuff you, you just say yes you think it's an expectation i think a lot of teachers think you know, our culture in education is to do all that we can for our kids and i think it's really important for us to remember that we're actually going to do more for our kids if we can look after ourselves like we'll last longer we'll be better in the classroom and all those types of things so uh it's really the book has, a, has essentially got a process in it. So 
it starts off with some basics of, you know, it's time to look after yourself, make sure you're getting sleep, make sure you're, you know, eating properly, all that kind of stuff. Uh, and there's that in it, but that's not really the, the whole thing. The, the, the main thing in the book is actually about you as a teacher identifying the things that really matter. So what really matters to you, what your kind of goals are and what you want to achieve as a teacher, but also outside of school. And then as you work that out, then looking at what you're doing and making sure that what you're doing actually aligns with those things. And there's processes and tools that throughout the book that can help you to work out, you know, the things that you can stop doing completely because you've just been doing them either because you know, it's the way we've always done them. Like if you think right. of a school running a meeting, you know, we've always done meetings at three right. o'clock on, on Thursdays or whatever, and they go for an hour and 15. So we just always do that. Be like, yeah, but we could change that. It's a choice that we're making as a, as a school, as an administrator or whatever, you can easily just go, you know what, we're going to can those meetings. We're only going to have meetings when there's actually something that we want the teachers to discuss. And even then we'll probably do it in smaller groups. You know, you don't really need big whole school meetings generally at a school. Most of the stuff that you deliver or that gets done at those meetings can be done in an email. Right. And by looking through it, all those kinds of things and yeah, the book is targeted yeah it gives you lots and lots of strategies for just you know, a classroom teacher but also has a whole chapter that's devoted to what administrators and you know our school leaders can really do to help schools to become more effective as well and i talk a lot in the book about it's the whole point is to increase our effectiveness it's not about increasing our busyness it's not about being more productive it's not about being more efficient because yes there is efficiency stuff in there and productivity things in there but if you're being productive and efficient but doing the things that don't matter then mm -hmm. there's no point to that and so we first have to identify the things that matter most to teaching to us as people and where we want to go and then everything else kind of focuses and hinges on that and so we start to go okay you know, like if my goal as a teacher is to really focus on you know my students in my classroom making sure they're learning uh, and you know getting them ready for life after school or maybe your focus is I want to connect with my kids and play with them, you know, at recesses and lunch and be their basketball coach or all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we can have different focuses within, mm -hmm. but once you really identify the things that you want to be committing yourself to, you then can look at all the other stuff that you have committed yourself to and say, you know what, I don't need to be in this group and in that group and in this other you know, committee that's involved in this. Uh, and so there's, there's lots in there about how, how to actually go about that process. Uh, you know, it talks about, using Eisenhower's matrix, which is your urgent slash important matrix to help mm. you with your just your general to-do list. It talks about how to schedule your time. So you're actually prioritizing the things that are important, but often aren't urgent for us. So you think of, you, know, you might have a student in your classroom who uh, is, uh, is deaf and can't hear. And it's the first time you've had a student who is deaf and can't hear. You're like, well, I don't know sign language, but what, what can I do? Unless you actually prioritize the time to go and learn, what you can do to help a student so that you're actually communicating right. with them and you can set things up really well for them. Unless you prioritize that, you're never going to get to it because it's not going to be urgent until you have you know, a meeting with a parent and a principal who's gone, right. you, know, you haven't addressed my child's needs. You're like, well, I haven't had time to actually go. So the book just lays out a really clear process for how you can go about doing that to make sure that you are doing the things that are most important and getting rid of the things that really aren't important as much as you can it's obviously things that we as teachers will look at and go it's not important but it's a legal requirement i have to do that right, right, <laughs> so, right, right. so you still have to do those things and that's clear in the book but 
you you want to get rid of all the things that you don't have to do if if it's not relating to things that are most effective for you and it's not uh something that's legally required then um, the, the question in the book is why are you doing it then like is it mm-hmm. is it something that actually does align with what you want to do in which case it fits into your important stuff but if it's not then and it's not a requirement within your school then then you should really stop doing it yeah like so like i'm, I'm just thinking as you're talking um you mentioned like the three o'clock meeting right and i think yeah. sometimes people will say you know like our teachers like really don't see the value of, of that three o'clock meeting and they'll spend a ton of time doing things to try to convince the teacher like the teachers at that time is well spent as opposed to saying like maybe it isn't valuable maybe we should be doing something instead of this right because i think a lot of times we are we do things that we see aren't that great but then they're but then we try to convince others they're they're awesome and maybe as opposed to maybe like hey maybe that isn't good maybe that isn't helpful maybe we need to get rid of that and there's a better use of our time there's a better way we can connect better way we can learn uh and doing that too uh, i want here's a question that i have and i think this is for anything that we do with professional learning when we read books like this so i'm a teacher i'm reading this book and i i'm like all i'm all in on the working less like i'm i'm like you you got me on the working less right uh but how how would me working less actually improve student learning yeah so uh, to start with we just think about yourself in the sense of just just sleep right if you're working lots you often sleep less you probably eat more junk food just because you're tired you tend to then eat less like not healthy foods you're not getting essays not looking after yourself you then go into a classroom you have kids mucking up in front of you you're tired you're not really thinking well and then your responses to that are actually not the best responses that you're going to have in that classroom whereas if you compare that to a person who comes in who's focused who's rested who is very focused in what they want to achieve in that lesson they deal with things differently and it can be the same person one tired or one not and it just you just get a a much better quality out of the person who's looking after themselves as well. And so actually by reducing your workload, you are going to be a better teacher because when you go into your classroom, when you're sitting down with your students, when you're trying to help them and trying to, you have those students who are stuck, who can't quite get a concept. And if you're tired, you get frustrated with that. Mm -hmm. Whereas you're not tired if you're engaged and you're motivated and you're spent time you prioritize you know uh, some kind of research that you were doing to try and help uh, this particular concept or whatever and you're like oh actually you know i recently read this article about how to describe this differently or i saw this really cool video recently and you can actually re try another angle for teaching something rather than just getting frustrated with it and so you can really reduce what you're doing and you can also shift into more effective strategies you know part of what you do once as you are increasing your own effectiveness is you go well in my classroom what am I doing that actually is going to have the the impacts that I want you know am I just coming in here and because I'm tired I'm pulling up last year's powerpoint you know and I'm walking in right. I'm delivering last year's lesson right because I don't have time to revise that to update it to to make it something that's modern for these kids, you know, because if I've been doing this for five years, it could be now six years old, the PowerPoint that I'm pulling up. Um, Whereas if you're effective, you're saying, well, you know what, this is what's coming up. This is my unit that's coming up. What are the current issues that relate to that? 
you know, where can I pull out some better examples for this year? Uh, maybe I have the time now to create some kind of inquiry-based process for this learning. Uh, so I'll make a video maybe even of the PowerPoint so they can get that in a different format when, when they need it type thing. Uh, and I have freeing myself up to not be at the front presenting, but to actually be with the kids answering their questions when they're struggling. Yeah, and like, and I, I love that exp explanation. I was thinking about um, something I talk about quite a bit is the notion of like seeing things as investments as expenditure and expenditures, right? So the one of the examples I give all the time is just greeting kids in the hallway before they enter your classroom, right? So that 10 minutes of time that you spend that you might not be doing something in your classroom, you might be outside just talking to kids, having conversations. Some people will say to me, look, I don't have that 10 minutes. Like I'm so packed in my day. But then what is not seen at that moment is, hey, will that diffuse some classroom management issues, right? Will that have a kid who has more trust with you? And so that 10 minutes that you spent probably saves you hours later. And I think that's something I have to see. And we have to kind of ask like, hey, is this something that uh, if I spend my time on, it's, I'm not getting anything back from it. It's not going to be helpful to me. Or is this something that when I spend my time on it, it actually will kind of kind of replicate over and over again? I think, you know, that's one of the reasons. And I say this, like, you know, you build relationships uh, and make people feel valued. They're going to do better and you, and everything will get done quicker. And we, we talked about that. And I think uh, when we talked in our podcast um, and you mentioned your principal, that's something that was evident is that the time she had spent, you know, really kind of connecting with people got them to do more for her, right? Got the, you know, more, more for her in the school, obviously. And so we're, we're actually, um, this is being recorded in 2021, but it's actually, you're watching this in 2022. And it's a brand new, because in, in Australia, the school year starts when, in February? Is it like, yeah. that's it's February, right? Yeah. And so um, for anyone listening in Australia, because I know we have a lot of people actually do listen from Australia, um, what would be like your best advice for someone who start like in starting the school year? I think in starting the school year, you want to sit down and work out what you want to achieve this year. Like think mm -hmm. about what, what are the key things to you as a teacher? What are the most effective things you can do for your students, for your role? But even like professionally, if you've got goals of, you know, you want to be working yourself up to being a principal or anything like that, what are you going to do this year to get there? Mm -hmm. And then from that, you then start to focus on your scheduling and that kind of stuff. And you go, well, if this is where I want to be, that means I've got to do this step and that step, you know, the whole sub goal type, type process and booking in time. It doesn't have to be a lot of time, to be honest. Like you can book in an hour a week where you're going to focus on, you know, something that's important, but it's not urgent. Mm -hmm. uh, and so for one hour a week, in whatever period you might have off, or maybe an hour before school starts, you're actually going to sit down and you're going to spend that hour trying to do something that relates to what your what your goals are and what you want to be achieving as a teacher it could be doing research it could be uh, just working on a new project that you've decided you're going to work on this year and once you once you know where you're going then it's time to start thinking about what you can what you can reduce in terms of your workload and i think if it's if you can manage to get a school doing this like if a school sits down and goes this is where we're going as a school mm -hmm. and all the fluff on the outside we're going to get rid of it right. Uh, because schools have a lot of fluff all over it. It's like it's what? Improving, improving. Not in North America. <laughs> it's about it's about what they look like. You know, it's, it's right. we'll have hundred different programs on, 
to make sure that all the parents who come, you know, see that we're doing this for their kids. And you're like, well, but you're doing that at the neglect of what's actually caught at the school. Uh, right. you know, you're burning teachers out by having them involved in, you know, if everyone's involved in musicals and also involved in band practice and involved right. in sports coaching and involved in, you know, the WHS committee and whatever else, you know, there's so much that teachers just get told to be part of. Uh, by being in all of that, like you're just wearing, you're wearing teachers out to the point where when it comes to the teaching, they actually don't have the time, they have the energy to do that properly, do that effectively, uh, mm -hmm. having teachers who are worn out. And so if a school can do it and they can start setting up, this is where we're going as a school. And that means, like, and it might be unfortunate for some teachers who might then hear that something that they're actually slightly passionate about uh, gets cut because it's not part of where the, where the school's going. Right, right. It can mean actually that long term that teacher becomes more satisfied because they are going to be less burnt out, they're going to be less worn out, and they can then achieve what they're really trying to achieve as a school. And as even as a teacher, as you head into that your classroom, suddenly you'll find your energy levels in your classroom have gone up, you're focused in your classroom. There's just there's so much that's attached to what we've decided where we're that we're going to. I think the other thing for teachers to identify as well as at the beginning of a school year is to really think about the fact that we are adults, we're responsible for our choices. And so there are actually very few times within a school where your principal or your administrators are saying, you have to do this and you don't have a choice. Right. Right? Do this or get fired. That's very rare. You know, I can't, I don't think I've, a, little, I've, a little bit less rare lately though. Like, I don't think I've ever mentioned that to any teacher that, you know, yeah. when I come to them, I say, can you do this? If they say no, which they have the full right to, to say, right, I will then either find another solution. Right. You know, I'm, I would ask another teacher, I might do it myself. But teachers, the culture in the school is that if a deputy principal asks you if you can do something, you pretty much have to say yes, right? Um, but that's not the actual case. You are choosing in that case to agree to do that. And I think once we identify that and start to try and break down that culture and we go, well, do you know what? Actually, it's my choice whether or not I do that. You know, unless it's written in your contract, right. Right. have to do this, like then you don't have to do it. And so you can say, actually, I don't have time to do that. I'm actually focusing on this and this at the moment. And yeah, I don't have time to commit to this. And yeah. they yeah. will normally be happy and go, okay, not a problem. I'm glad you're focusing on that and move on. <laughs> Yeah. And I, I, like, I, I, like, you know, um, just kind of to close all of this up, I think one of the things is people are listening to this and they're probably like, Hey, you know, uh, this is great, but my admin, I'm like, yeah, you, you have to advocate for yourself. Right. Like a lot of times we do say yes to everything. And, and I say this all the time. A lot of times when we say yes to other people, we say no to ourselves and you have to kind of focus on this too. And you have to learn to advocate for yourselves the same way that you would tell your students they have to learn to advocate for themselves, right? Because I think a lot of times we get into this space where we we kind of feel guilt and, and all these other things. And like, honestly, guilt in, I don't think there's any profession that guilt is leveraged as much as in education, right? Like, it, it, and it's like used against us too, right? Other teachers will guilt other teachers. Like, don't say you're excited for the break because, you know, kids will hear that. I'm like, it's okay. Like, it's okay. You, it's not like you hate kids. You just no. need a break. You just need, you know, like I wouldn't say, how dare you go on a break? My doctor, right? It's like they need a break. So that's just how it is. And so 
you know, learn to advocate for yourself. And so I, I'm really uh, excited for this book to get in people's hands. I know it's going to be really helpful. And I, I, you know, I love that kind of self-advocacy, you know, like obviously you're giving examples for administrators, but at the end of the day, you know, I, I, I set limits for myself too. And, uh, you know, like even when I record the podcast, when I work out, do this, there's times that I'm like, Hey, if you can't make it in this time, then I'm sorry, we can't record. Right. Cause I, I, I block off times, you know, in my day for myself, for my, my family. And it's something I've learned, um, over the years that maybe I wasn't great at, but I've gotten way better at, and it's done wonders for my health. And, and like you said, I feel way more productive. So, um, thank you so much for spending time with me. Uh, I know that you're off to, you know, early in the morning for you, you're going to go work with teachers, but, um, I hope people, if you want to check out the book, you can see Dan's uh, information in the description down below. You can see connection, uh, a link to his book as well, but Dan, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I hope you have a wonderful day. Oh, thank you so much, George. I really enjoyed it. All right. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening.